What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Ooh, who's that voice? I don't know. It's episode 159, and today we actually have a special guest with us today. It is Rebecca Reinhardt. She's with In the Mic of Madness Podcast and many other things. You want to tell us? How are you doing? What's going on with you, Rebecca? Man, too much stuff. So, yeah, I'm cramming a bunch of crap into my schedule, and I'm not getting paid for any of it. And by the way, guys, I wanted to let you know also, we are going to be doing the Amityville 1 through 3. yes. So that you know what we're doing. You're writing on the website now. Yes, uh, so I am. Yes, I am a guest or a staff writer, I guess you could say, at Beyond the Void. So (laughs) I dropped my first article. Uh, As you said, I walked in stirring the pot. Yes, I got to ask you a quick question. Okay. Okay, so what made you come up with the idea and why do you hate women? I'm just kidding. Right. (laughs) (laughs) went there. I had a couple people who were like, oh, I don't agree with you. So if you didn't read the article, I'm sure he can put a link or something. It was basically should defend should women defend rape revenge movies? And I happen to love rape revenge movies. And I find on social media very often and in very hardcore horror groups, mm-hmm. I am often defending my stance that I love rape revenge. People think I'm weird. And especially when I'm like, oh, ooh, you know, and like somebody will be like, oh, hey, Rebecca, it's like rape revenge. And I'll be like, oh, squeal. Yay. <laughs> And they'll be like, uh, you're psycho. <laughs> and I have a very, I have a very specific reason why I love them. And, uh, and, and so that's just, yeah, that's where it came from. It's one of the, it's one of the things that I find myself most passionate about online because I do like, I, I do think that a lot of people judge people by their subgenre. Right. Well, hundred percent. Right. It's like, because, okay. And then I, I don't like this term, but then there are, there are the people who judge people for liking quote unquote torture porn, right. you know? And it's like, does that mean that they want do they have bodies in their basement i mean like does it mean because i like rape revenge like i i want to get raped no that's not what it's about and so that's i've been told that i uh i uh support rape because i watch horror movies just horror in general but it's okay that that people are murdered yeah (laughs) or their dicks cut off or anything i mean i i don't know about you but i laugh when i see a dick cut off that's just my thing i don't know or well, get shot like in RoboCop, the fan film, when they yeah. just shoot everybody in the dicks. Like, that's some funny shit. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, just because you watch something doesn't mean that you support it being done in real life. Right. I mean, and that was part of my argument. I'm like, these people who are like, uh, here's my soapbox. 
<laughs> people who are like, oh, well, I mean, I'm okay with, you know, like the evisceration of a human body, but man, they better not say fuck because yeah. that is totally beyond what I can deal with. <laughs> because of course, if you're getting hacked apart, you're not going to be like, motherfucker, you know, be like, uh, oh, Jesus hurts <laughs> so darn bad. You know, like <laughs> I always hear people say that they hate it when someone says the word cunt and I totally get it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I get, I get it, but I, I, I'll call you a cunt all day. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't have that sensibility. Things right. don't offend me. I mean, unless somebody is trying to offend me. Right. If somebody walks up to me and they're like, "You fucking cunt," yeah, then, yeah, I'm gonna be like, Whatever. way different, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's like all in context. It's you know, I use it as a term <laughs> of endearment oftentimes. Yeah. So. Oh, you're such a cunt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I, would, I call people so. Shout out to uh, the late Dylan Clancy, who was a, a dear friend of a lot yes. of a lot of people in our circles, and he always would say the word cunt and he was Australian and he would say, I'm Australian, so I can say cunt. So we all kind of picked up on it. We were like, well, we know an Australian guy who says cunt, so we can say it too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we live through him vicariously. Yeah. It's exactly. like that. And, and, and British people, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, what else yeah. do you do though? Like I, I know you do the, oh, the YouTube yeah. channel, but you've been putting okay. up videos on in the mic of madness a lot. Right. So I do the In the Mic of Madness podcast, but we also have a YouTube channel for that. And I do a lot of interviews. I've been going to a lot of conventions um, and just making the rounds with uh, different directors. So on that podcast YouTube channel, I've been posting different interviews. Um, and then also we have a spinoff podcast on that channel called SOBs Who Love SOV that I do with Slade Shepard. Yeah, I saw it's that. shot on video. I just posted an, um, a really awesome interview with Tim Ritter. I got to go to his house and be on set and actually got to do a couple scenes in a movie wh- where I could wield an alien penis. <laughs> um, yeah, it was all written around me because I really love this alien penis from... <laughs> Uh, his segment in Zombarella's House of Horrors. Yeah. And so, yeah. So instantly when I get to the house, like somebody threw me the penis. They're like, here, you love it so much. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, you guys need to watch that fucking, uh, the whole fucking interview with Tim Ritter. It's fucking awesome. I was really happy, but it's just really cool to see him get some light, you know, and see, you know, the, the light of day for other fans who have no idea who he is, you know, because that's. Right, because there are people who have no, there's two camps to all of these SOV guys. So Mm -hmm. we've also, we had Michael Rasso um, on our show. We've we've contacted and we've gotten, uh, um, like we've become friends with a lot of these directors, but we've had, Slade's had some personal issues, um, some health issues with himself and family members. So we haven't been as prolific as we had anticipated to start out with. But I mean, we've had so many people who are very supportive and have become kind of quote unquote friends of the shows. So like Tony Masiello and Ron Bonk. Um, you gonna get uh, Andreas Schnoss? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know You're, if he even speaks English a hundred percent. I yeah, not sure about that. But yeah, I mean we had so many cool people, and then here, so then I will I will pimp out. So I also have a channel called the Not Quite Final Girl YouTube channel, and it started with I wanted to profile the women in horror movies who did not get talked about because. 
they died. So that's where it started. But I've been posting a lot of interviews, reviews. I, I go to conventions and do like wrap up videos and things. But I also got to interview Shannon Stocken, who has been um, for the last couple of years has been in all of Tim's movies um, and done his effects. And yeah, I saw that one you too. go and watch that interview. She is a freaking hoot. Yeah, she's I love pretty her. fun. Oh, she is fun as hell. So I've gotten to meet some really cool people. And, and of course, all my stuff kind of goes more towards uh, independent horror um, and whatnot. But I, when you do independent horror, when that's your uh, when that's your jam, you get to talk to your idols. I've been having fun. That 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 podcast, I think, is going to end up being a lot of fun. Well, yeah, it's always funny to me because, uh, like, I hear other people who do podcasts and stuff, and they're like, they're like, yeah, this is my seventh one, and I'm like, holy shit, dude. He's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I just started trying this other thing, and this one became more popular. It wasn't even my favorite, but it just ended up working. It's just the way it is, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> he's right. like, my other ones but are not, my passion ones. Yeah, I'm not ditching in the mic of madness. So, um, and in fact, oh, see, so Jason, you hear that? Just kidding. Jason's, yeah, Jason Smith. I'm not backing down. You're stuck <laughs> with me. <laughs> uh, we are actually on our year anniversary this month. Yeah, congrats. So. Love you, Jason. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is our year anniversary of doing the podcast, and things have changed uh, over the year. And but it's cool that we've made it this long. And um, so. Here's to another year. I got a little mushy on our podcast we did the other day. So yeah, man, I was shut pretty uh, fast. That's why I'm saying like a lot of people don't even make it to a year. So if you've made yeah. it to a year, you know what I mean? You're you're doing something. Yeah, we made it to like. a year and we, we have only had, I mean, we were friends before that. We we did the podcast together because we are great friends. Right. And we only had one fight during that whole time. <laughs> um, and when we had that that argument, we made this pact that like if the podcast threatens our friendship at all, we're going to shut that motherfucker down. Like, <laughs> and if we have a fight about the podcast, it is about the podcast and not personal. And so like, that's been, I think a key to our success is that we have compartmentalized that. <laughs> Just a tip for anybody who's looking to get into any kind of media type thing with anybody else that you like and you care about. Just make sure you set the boundaries. <laughs> yeah, it's like living with somebody. It's, it's like you're going to yes, marinate at some point. Best. Oh, oh yeah. Or like when you're like, oh my God, we're best friends in high school. Now we're going to room together in college. And then like by end of freshman year, you're like, I fucking hate that girl. <laughs> <laughs> so actually next weekend, so October 11th and 12th, I will be in Iowa at the Haunted Hotel Atumna, I think I'm saying that right, um, for Halloween Palooza, which is a uh, convention and film fest that's put on by my podcast network. And I will be there representing In the Mic of Madness and The Not Quite Final Girl. And I will be doing my show live on Saturday. Nice. Wow. So, yeah. So if you want to see me fail horribly, uh, just, you know. <laughs> Wow, that's three, a that's a nice expectation for yourself to three set Three o'clock Central Time. I'll probably put it on Facebook Live too. So if you really want to see me like fall on my face, then you can see it. Like Whatever, that. you'll rise to the occasion. I've seen you on video. <laughs> yeah, but it, but that's edited video. <laughs> it's, hey, that's true. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But yeah, guys, I think it might be that time. Oh shit. Horse shots! Uh. 
All right, guys. So uh, as you know, we're going to be doing Amityville one through three, but we kind of are picking one that is pretty much from the first movie, I would assume, uh, since it's about the Lutz. Rebecca came up with this name, too, which I thought was very clever. <laughs> Do you want to tell them what the name is? The Triple Lutz. Yes. And there is three ingredients. So it is basically Jaeger, coconut rum, and cranberry juice. And if you want to add more red to kind of make it like the blood in the first movie, all you have to do is just add a drop or two of food, red food coloring. And then you, before you drink, you can chill this or not. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the cranberry juice should be fine. But you say to hell and then you drink. And that is the triple Lutz. Just don't uh, make up a story about Amityville or anything like that when you're done drinking and you're good to go. Right, and maybe you should make two so Jody has one as well. Oh, yeah, there you go. You got to have one. Yeah, for Jody, that's right. Jody. <laughs> Who are you talking to, sweetie? Jody. <laughs> okay, creepy uh, child. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys would like to try a triple Lutz, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section now. That's it for horror shots. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes. This might be a little bit of a lengthy episode, so buckle the fuck up. We're going to go through one, two, and three in that order. And, uh, yeah, I hope you stick around. So we'll go ahead and kick off our flesh and potatoes right now. So we're back and we're going to let Rebecca kick it off here for us with the first Amityville horror, the Amityville horror. So why don't you go ahead and tell us the Amityville horror is from 1979. So newlyweds move into a large house where mass murder was committed and experience strange manifestations, which drive them away. This, of course, stars James Brolin and Margot Kidder and also the uh, uh, Oscar award winner Rod Steiger. Um, it was directed by Stuart Rosenberg, who actually, uh, I never really knew anything about him, but he directed some very, very cool movies. Cool Hand Luke, Brubaker, uh, the Pope of, Pope of Greenwich Village. So, wow. And yes, I know it is Greenwich, but I'm from Indiana. Um, this is based on the 1977 J. Anston novel of the same name that was uh, about the story of George and Kathy Lutz, who moved into the famed Amityville house. I think most people know the idea of the Amityville house, but right right, here's what quote unquote happened. Okay. So what we do know is that this house in New York, Ron DeFeo in 1974 killed six members of his family. And on trial, and he said it to the very end, he said the voices in the house made him do it. The Lutzes moved in a year later, 1975. They were there for 28 days and claimed to have had a ton of paranormal things happen um, to the point where they just left. They left their, and here's a fun fact, they left their belongings. And that's what you always hear. Like, they just left their belongings and and just got the hell out. Right. But the next day, they Because who would do that, right? Right. Well, that makes them sound ballsy. But the next day, they had movers come and go get all their stuff. And the movers said they didn't have anything happen. Oh. So, 
um, so of course, there's always been a little bit of a little bit, a lot of controversy. There have been a <laughs> lot of documentaries made, obviously several movies made. So uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually investigated this house in 1976, and they felt like there was a disturbance. And um, and actually, that's depicted a little bit in The Conjuring too. Mm-hmm. But people have been trying to break this down for years. There are some things that, you know, that are discrepancies and what the Lutzes say, the Lutzes, you know, have gone on different, uh, different shows, different talk shows and everything over the years. They're now deceased, but, uh, they have defended themselves. So nobody really knows. The only thing that anybody knows is that ever since they moved out, everybody that's owned that house has had nothing happen. Right. So, we don't really know, but it doesn't really matter because the story is great. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be a true story. <laughs> so George and Kathy Lutz and this are played by James Brolin, the sexy James Brolin, who is, yeah. you know, of course, Josh's dad. Right. He's been in a, a million things. I think from what I remember him from was Hotel, that series that was in the 80s with Connie Selica. Mm-hmm. But he's been in a million things. But something that, was, that I read today that's really interesting is this was a... It wasn't a low-budget movie, but it was very moderately budgeted, and he was obviously a star. He agreed to take less money if he could have 10% of the gross, which a lot of times you hear about that, and you're like, yeah, that's not a good idea. For him, it was. Because the amount of money he got in modern like modern times from that, he got another $55 million in royalties from that. Yes. So he made the right choice. Now, Margot Kidder, who uh, unfortunately died last year, uh, we know her from being Lois Lane in the Superman movies, the original Superman movies, Mm -hmm. Black Christmas. She had some problems. So I did not know that this is where it started. But in 1990, apparently she had a car crash. She couldn't work and she became bankrupt. And that's probably what set her off for the things that happened in the 90s to Margot Kidder. So she was found at least a couple times, if I remember correctly, like once like in some suburban garden with her hair cut off. I believe she was like in an airport at one point in time missing some teeth. She had, you know, different issues with like mental illness um, and wow. and ended. she ended up, it was ruled a suicide by overdose of drugs and alcohol in 2018. Right. Yeah. She was 69. Yeah. And apparently her final wish was that she wanted her remains devoured by wolves, but her husband decided just to sprinkle her ashes like in Wait, wh- Yellowstone. Wait, what? Her, I don't yes, mean to her, laugh, but like what? Yes. That was her, like, in her will or whatever, was that she wanted her remains to be devoured by wolves. By the wild. I, I, I could see the lawyer going, and what, Marco? But anyway, so she was a troubled, she was a troubled chick, but clearly, like, you know, she had some really iconic roles. She was a great actress, and it is kind of sad that she went, you know, the way that she went. Right. Um, Cause she, but she had a big personality, and you could kind of see that maybe there was some stuff going on there. But she was great in this. So that's all the trivia I have for this movie. So what are your initial thoughts, your basic thoughts on the Amityville Horror original 1979 movie? Well, I mean, this to me, this has been a classic film for me since I was a child. I've always watched this. I remember, it, I think it was on TV even because it wasn't even that 
It wasn't like a rated R film or anything. Yeah, it it definitely was tame for a quote unquote horror movie. Right. I mean, it had some edgy moments in it, and even a nip slip, I think. But because uh, <laughs> we were like thinking of movies that Christina could let her nephews like watch, and we were like, uh, oh, this would be good, and then we we're like, oh shit, there's a nipple in it. So I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a, a classic film that that pretty much started the twenty four different movies and <laughs> like yes, can you even imagine how many movies that are not necessarily attached to the franchise, but in a way they are. Like it kind of has gotten kind of wild since the two thousands. They've done all kind all kinds of stuff, but uh, obviously, as Becca Becca told you, you know, it's based off the Lutz family's telling of the house that they lived in with. With, you know, multiple murder in the house. There have been many documentaries and famous people talking about it forever, arguing yeah. about it forever. The town of Amityville hating everyone forever for Oh, it. yes. Um, but this one to me is a movie that scared the piss out of me as a kid long before I saw any of the sequels. And I've mentioned before, boy, do they get really fucking weird later on in the franchise. Yes. So uh, this one sort of to me, preys on your imagination a little bit more uh, than some of the other ones, obviously, especially next one. Uh, but this one's a, it's a bit slower for a lot of people I've found. And for me, it's it's not like I think it's a really good paced film. It's not too boring for me, but there are a lot of people that, you know, it's dated. So I'm sure it, it, it's not going to stand the test of time forever. But it is definitely something that scared me as a kid. So it will definitely be forever that for me but um there were a few moments christina and i personally like laughed at this movie though so uh, because it, it you know it's worn out my imagination quite a bit since i was a kid and it's more right. in it's more of an intended dread a lot of times and it co sort of ex expects you to anticipate things a little bit more than like the later films although the third one we'll get into that but oh yeah <laughs> Still, I think this one's a classic. The book did well. The movie did really well. Uh, it scared people and took advantage of the, the you know, public curiosity at, that's lasted for decades now. And although it is heavily debated, if it's true or not, it's still, like Rebecca said, a really great story. So the acting at, at, at times in this are kind of eh, spotty. Um, I think in particular, I think the uh, James Brolin in particular was a little bit stiff. <laughs> like, I don't know, mm -hmm. something about him. I honestly must feel like the new remake with Ryan Reynolds could have been a little bit more of a better role than what James did, unfortunately. Just because Ryan Reynolds is that nice guy that you always think of kindly. So seeing him unhinged is a little bit more impactful when you watch it. So, but, but you're saying that from a modern, a modern standpoint, because remember, I mean, James Brolin was famous and he was like a sex symbol. That's, and that type that's of thing true. At that point that in time. is true. So I'm, but yeah, I, for me, maybe it is because of that connection with Ryan Reynolds. So, yeah, um, I think Margot is pretty decent and seeing Superman growing up, you know, she fits the role really well. Feels like a like a family going through some supernatural shit. Plus a lot of the, you know, pr practical or sort of traditional horror scares that you would see uh, that don't, you know, completely push it into absurd. It's a little absurd, but not that much. Uh, the song in this movie is fucking iconic as fuck. Yes. I love it. It's much like Rosemary's Baby, like that sticks in your head in a way. Uh, it definitely feeds the viewer as they kind of creep through the movie a little bit. 
I don't know. It's got like that old score to it for the horror at that time, especially. But I just love all that la la la. La la yeah. la la creepy music shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like Almost one like of my a favorites. Music box with a voice. Right. It yeah. reminds me of. Even when I've written songs for the podcast and stuff like that, I'm always like, oh, that's pretty good. That's I like that. It's creepy. But <laughs> I do feel like the end is a little disappointing, you know, because like if you've gone through this franchise before, like I have, then you kind of expect a big grand finale. And there is sort of. But then they just like duck out <laughs> because that's how the book right. is. You know, they 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 well, did it. yeah, that's how their supposed story was, and they left. Right, oh, and it's like, well, great, okay. they left, but what the fuck? What's going on right. in the house? Come on, embellish this shit, people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I still love it, and perhaps you know my nostalgia plays a little bit of a heavy part in that. You know, it's you know people may not like it as much as me. But I've had, you know, like I said, I've had a lot of friends that are just not into it as much. They think it's boring, but I think it deserves an eight at the very least. I think it's a classic for that reason. And I'm always going to come back to this movie and remember it fondly like the first time I watched it. So what about you? I'm kind of in the same boat. This was an iconic thing. Like when I was a kid, like I didn't, I hadn't seen the movie, but man, I'd seen that house with the little eyes. And right. Windows. I mean, man, that was like. You know, for God's sake, get out. And so you just and that became like synonymous, like with a haunted house, the Amityville house. And the 70s were big on the haunted house movies. And they were and when there was supernatural stuff, it usually was, quote unquote, based on a true story. And it usually involved religion. I think that we've moved past that now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe we're a little bit cynical about it watching it as a modern audience, as we said. Um, and then there's also the thing, just like, why the fuck don't they just get out? Like, <laughs> seriously, yeah, I know, go. dude. Because, I mean, every other movie like this, now the thing that they always do is like, okay, the people get out, but then they find out the thing is attached to one of the family members. But in this case, they were just like, nah, it's good. It's fine. You right. Know? Like, they don't even try to get out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's dated. It's definitely dated. And this suffers from the same thing that a lot of movies that I once found incredibly frightening, I just don't find frightening anymore because they've been parodied Six Ways to Sunday. Oh, I mean, yeah. the whole, I mean, the whole thing with the priest and the flies, I mean, I can't watch that and not think of scary movies. <laughs> right. Too. Yes. Thank you. I Bye. put that in my notes. Yes, yes, I love, which I absolutely adore that beginning segment. You know, he's thing. all taking his ex- shit, and it's like shit and everything's <laughs> James Woods. Yeah, you know, and, uh, The Exorcist is another one. Although that's still right. I mean, I won't say it frightens me, but it still affects me. But yeah, like that's another one where it's just been parodied so many times that it just kind of loses its luster. Um, yeah, but in general, I mean, this was a movie that I. I don't even remember the first time I saw it. Mm. Um, it does lull a bit um, for me as a as an adult. Right. Uh, I I actually love James Brolin. I question like when I'm watching this, and I I have not done a whole lot of research on the Lutzes themselves, but I almost feel like George Lutz just was a real dick, and this was almost like an excuse. <laughs> but I don't know that for sure. Not to speak ill of the dead. And I did watch this on the version that I have, which is on the RCA Selectivision CED. <laughs> so, like, yes, I am. I am ghetto. But no, I. So I have it on that 
version. And it actually probably enhances it a little bit to have it on an older format. Yeah, I get it on a VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm going to say, like, factoring in everything, like, because I am a little cynical about it now, but factoring in the legacy and just the iconic nature of this, I'm going to say it's an eight. Yeah. I'm going with you. I'm saying it's an eight. Yeah, I mean, it's like part of me wants to go a little bit lower just because we've been spoiled by so much since, you know what I mean? But uh, but that's not fair. Right. If you can't compare it to other stuff, like for its time, it was pretty, pretty big. I mean, look, watch The Omen now. I mean, it's it doesn't hold up per se. I mean, you still have the creepy kid. Creepy kid always works. It's all for you, Damien. Yeah. (laughs) But but again, it's like that, like that. The first time you ever saw that scene, it was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like happy birthday. But yeah. But now we're just like quoting it randomly. And so it takes away from it. So you have to kind of go back and like just think about it for the time and and that. That sort of thing. So, so eight, eight and an eight. So eight. we're pretty tied there. Okay. Eight and eight. All right. Well, uh, on Metacritic, they're giving it a two point five, but that's kind of a newer. I don't know. It's I was actually- like, "Fuck you!" Everyone is shitting on this movie. I hate you and your families. All die. <laughs> yes, I mean, like, okay, so yeah, on IMDb, the Metascore it's like six point one or something. One, well, the Metascore, which is the critic one, is twenty eight, and so I was kind of looking because I thought, well, okay, maybe it was getting slammed at the time because a lot of times when you look at older movies, the reviews that they have on there from the time that the movie came out. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd, some of these are not; they're more modern. I mean, the AV Club—they certainly weren't around. In 79, uh, neither was Slant Magazine, I would well, care. Most all you of know? these, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it gets a 6.2 from the, the viewers, but... Well, yeah, I think I it's probably because, like, as it gets... As something gets older, I've noticed, like... Like, I hear people who are, like, young who go, yeah, the new Evil Dead is the best, and the originals are so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... <gasps> I'm like, okay, hold yeah. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the... <laughs> I'm fucking gonna murder some kid. Yeah, but But I totally get it. I got to be fair to it because they grew up not watch. They watch. They've been everybody's been spoiled by everything. So it's like their tastes are different. Everybody's taste is different for that. Everybody's taste is different. And we're a little more hardcore than your average uh, than your average bear. So, (laughs) right. Let's face it. Right. There is one little tiny bit of trivia that I do want to give before we get into a couple of the scenes just real quick. So apparently Ronald Butch DeFeo. He was 23 years old. It was about 6.30 p.m. on a Wednesday, November 13th, 1974, that he entered Henry's Bar, which they call the Witch's Brew in this movie. Right. Um, And he said, you got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Like, first of all, why would you go to a fucking bar? bar? Right. They all these people like went over to his house on 112 Ocean Avenue and found that the parents were dead inside. And like after prodding him for days, they found inconsistencies in his story. So this is the original murder that led up to the Lutz story in this movie, guys, just, you know, but they kept prodding him and they found all these inconsistencies. And then eventually he just confessed to it and said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It just went so fast. Yeah. Whoa. Like wow, because yeah. I'm thinking after one, you might. Yeah, once be you like, pop one, you know, he just you just can't stop. I was gonna say they're like Pringles. <laughs> Did you know in this movie too that uh, the DeFeo name was never said in this? In the they first did in the movie. second one, but they didn't in this yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, the second one they didn't. No, the second one they didn't either because the second one was kind of. We'll talk about that one. The third one they go into. Maybe it. that's what it was. I'm getting. They're all yeah. kind of running together now. After all of it, yeah. I have to. Um, it, does t- it does tell you how much the uh, I guess the mythos of the DeFeo, you know, family and the the Amityville house. I mean, how much it is in our conscience that we watch it and it wasn't even said. Well, let me ask you this. So. Uh huh. If a murder happened in that house three years before you moved in, like the Lutz, would you move in? Uh, well, first of all, it was only a year, but I thought it was seventy. They oh, they got it. Oh, seventy four and seventy five. So they lived then, in yeah, there for years while it was happening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The original family. Yeah. They didn't just move in. Um. But you know, I, I just don't. I, if it were. I don't know. I guess I can't say. I can't say for sure. Like, that's a pretty nice looking house, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like, okay, if it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. (laughs) On the other hand, when you get a good deal, you get a good deal. Right. Ghosts or no ghosts. I mean, right. Because just because somebody died there, I mean, people die and stuff. People probably died in the house that I'm living in. You know, it's it's been (laughs) around long enough. I mean, I'm not saying that they got murdered, but I mean, there may have been somebody who like lived here and ended up, you know, going to the hospital and dying. I mean, well, something about them splattering their soul all over the walls kind of makes me like (laughs) blood thing. And And I think that's it. Like, I would always look at that and be like, um, I put about four coats of paint on that wall. Fuck but, that, uh, dude. I don't th- that's what I'm thinking, though. Like, I have, there's people that have theories that when people die tragically, that it's almost like their soul bursts like a balloon and it just pops all over the fucking room that they die in. And they, that's why things haunt things. So, like, what if, you know? And I'm sure they're not right. going to be happy, you know? Maybe. Right. And then there's also the, the fact that their brains were splattered on the wall. And I'm right. not sure how much you can get that out of uh, drywall. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can get into our scenes now. I just want to mention one thing real quick. I love that they show off the house while like intercutting all the kills in each of the rooms since we're talking about it. Right. You know, they're like, they do each one by one. They're like, oh, this room. And it's like, pow, pow. And I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. Right. Because they're trying to make it to where it's the house. It's the house. It's the house. They're telling right. you like the house is killing the people. And, and that face. I mean, that house has a face. I mean, and that's not the actual house. Allow me to it's- show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful, I mean, it, it was a beautiful uh, exterior for what, I mean, you know, what right. they picked and everything. You mean the um, windows with the eyes? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it had like, you know, and then you had the the fireplace, like the outside of the fireplace and the chimney kind of came up, almost looked like a nose, you know. I mean, it does kind of look like a face. And so I think that they really use that well. Right. I love and it. I thought it was really cool how they they took the sweet and happy moment of these two this couple's lives and then mixed it with that tragic moment of this other. It was just that was like yes. really hammering it down. Like yeah, Ugh. for a kid when I was a kid and I saw that that was fucking scary as shit because I didn't know where my emotions were. You know, I remember being scared of that in the right. beginning. And um, and the whole idea that it's like. It's a real thing. Not even, not even saying like a real, like that the story is real. I mean, but that is based in uh, like reality, like that a mm-hmm. guy 
is killing his family. Somebody that they trust is killing them. I mean, that's a terrifying thing, especially when you're a kid. I mean, you know, now it's like there are so many supernatural things that we see or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, that, you know, whatever. But when you're a kid and you're like in a trusting, you know, situation to think your brother could go and kill you, that's really terrifying. And there are a lot yeah. of kids who probably already think that. But. Well, it's like, who do you trust then? Yeah, especially for kids, you know. That's, right. That's why it's right. so traumatic, like when shit like that happens. Yeah. Um, I love when they're also visiting the house, too, because uh, she's like, you know, I just don't know how I feel about everyone being. How do you feel about that being murdered here and everything? And he's like, honey, houses don't have memories. It's yeah. Like, oh, famous whatever. last words, of course. Yeah. I, I think that um, he kind of went like they maybe went a little sharp with old George. I don't think that they set it up enough for him to be the really nice guy. I will give you that. Like, I mean, I think James Brolin probably was seen as that, but you didn't ever really see him like interacting with the kids like in a very like loving manner or anything. It was like very that. brief. That's why I say that, you know, because it was like, yeah, it's very it short. Maybe been. Him like reading a story to the kids before they go to bed or something, you know, some kind of interaction where you see that he's a loving stepfather. Right. Because we all we all hear, oh, the stepfather. Oh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he's going to be a dick. Yeah. You mentioned the fly scene. Right. Is, that that scene really is. Uh, that's like the first moment that you realize. And that apparently where they hear when that priest hears that voice. That says, get out. That apparently, I think, was even backed up by the priest, supposedly. He said it. And then, I mean, that's what he uh, said at first. And then I guess he was on video. I mean, they blurred out his face or whatever, but he actually said it again. They heard that, but he never attributed it to a supernatural being, hmm. which, okay, well. Um, you're talking about in some documentary or something? Is that what you're talking about? Um, Yeah, just in the research that I was doing. I don't know if this is, you know, I mean, there's just been so many investigations and right. researches and everything else, but yeah. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was like canon to reality. Is that how you say that? Is that real facts? Right, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it's one of the things that they maintain that you know has been maintained that happened. Um, and you know, the, some of the other things you can look these up. If, you know, you can read the book, and of, go of course, you can doubt what they say. But I mean, most of the things in there in the movie were things that were taken from what the Lutzes said happened. The, right. Uh, the Jody thing, the, the cold spot, hot spot, you know, all those things that they have in there were, I, I don't think that, that is kind of a funny thing that I don't think this movie was embellished from its source material at right. all. They might have taken some creative liberties, but not like writing wise, right. like, yeah, like how right. things like, looked. I, right. And I mean, and the Lutzes did not look as cute as those two. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, a lot of people Sorry. said that he was like a, a, a really good salesman. And that's why a lot of people believed him because he was taking uh, lie detector tests and shit like that. And right. maybe he was just, I don't know. This is weird. Yeah. Uh, did you like the scene where Rod Steiger, Father Delaney, he uh, is getting into an argument with the upper echelon priests? Oh, yes. That was yes. like one of the best performances in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, Although, I would agree with that. I think his I think his acting was the best in in the whole movie as well. But yeah, he general. was a little over the top, but I don't know. I think for the time, I think that was it was kind of like it reminded me for some reason of like, <laughs> I don't know, Marlon Brando or some shit. I don't know. Same scene. He kind of feels like that kind of guy for some reason. Well, I mean, he was in Cool Hand Luke, so there you go. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, as far as scenes go in this, I like the ones that stand out are probably the ones that most people would say. Um, and then there's the one that I always kind of, uh, I think is kind of odd is when the business partner comes over and James Brolin is chopping wood and oh, yeah. and he hasn't been in the office for a few days and everything else. And I find that kind of unsettling. Like I think he did. I think James Brolin did a really good job in that instance of being like, wow. Cause you can tell the guy's just coming up to him like, Hey dude, what's up? Like, I mean, you can tell it's almost like you can tell with the interaction of that guy, how George was just right. a few days ago. Like just, I mean, he has no like apprehension of coming up to him or anything. And he's just like, George, yo, what's up? So I think, that was a good juxtaposition there. Yeah, the overwhelming goodness of his partner won yeah. him over. Because <laughs> he's like, I got this boat line for you, you fucking dickhead. And right, <laughs> and can you sign everybody's fucking check? Yeah, everybody hasn't eaten for weeks. Can you fucking help out? Well, it's only been like a couple of days, but still. <laughs> I like the uh, the one scene when I was a kid that kind of freaked me out was the and I and, you know you always see these like window eye scenes and you think of something like Suspiria or something like that but they got that part where it's like Jody gets scared by the girl's mom or whatever and she's like you scared her she flew out the window and then she goes to look out the window and you see the like fucking cat eyes looking at her like yeah. and it's, that scared the shit out of me as a kid like I was like no. I didn't want to go near windows because of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Same with a uh, poltergeist. That right. Kind of, that kind of fucked up windows for a lot of kids too. With the, so. the tree you're talking about? Yes. But here's, here's another thing too that might influence us being of a certain age. And it is the same thing with poltergeist. Like that was like, it was PG. It was consider quote unquote tame. It was like, okay for kids. Same thing with Amityville. It didn't really have, it didn't have cussing. It didn't, whatever. It didn't have blood really, you know, and didn't have like gory stuff. And so this was kind of one of those movies where people were probably like, yeah, it's on TV and it's okay if my kid sees it. So I think maybe like we saw it when maybe our parents were just going by the MPAA standards and not by what would really terrify a child. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, I remember we redid, uh, Poltergeist here recently, and I kept thinking to myself, like, man, you know, I, this scared me so much as a kid. Like, how the fuck are they even fucking doing this? Like, and then, uh, you know, it really is kind of tame, but the, 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 the iconography, like the character, like the creatures and shit are pretty scary. Like the skull coming out of the closet. So, and I, and I almost feel like now that we're on the, the Poltergeist tip because of haunted houses and shit, this house obviously is more iconic than the Poltergeist house we don't even mm -hmm. remember what it looks like but this right. house the way they shot it and always had those exterior shots looking at the house like with the wind and the the fucking leaves going and shit like that yeah uh, it was always in all these movies you know this is always fall no matter yeah. what like every amityville <laughs> amityville only acts up in the fall apparently <laughs> But it, it gives a good atmosphere with like the leaves blowing, kind of the more overcast look, you know. Yeah, no, I, it, I like it. It gets a little weirder as the ones go on. Yeah. I think the yeah. second one gets a little bit wilder, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So. One thing I do want to mention uh, is the way that George kind of flips the script all of a sudden. Like he's starting to get darker and darker and darker, but all of a sudden, like now he's just like helping everybody at the very end. And I'm like, yeah, that's a little weird, right? Like it yeah. should get progressively worse. But, you know, again, this is based on a real story. So right, um, he snapped out of it or whatever. Yeah, just in time. But it wasn't like this, like build, build, build. It, w it was build. But then it like, I don't know, felt a little off. But 
that's just me being picky about something that I really enjoy. So, but do you have anything yeah. to add? No, I mean, this is the one that started it all. And it was definitely one of the iconic haunted house movies of the 70s. And I don't think that there's, there's it's a like you could say a ton of stuff about it, but there's nothing you can say about it. It's one of those movies. Yeah, there's only very few houses in the horror a spectrum that you can like go okay that like the front door of like nightmare on elm street the red door thing you know like or maybe like the blair witch house or something i don't know but there's not that many so this one i think is probably one of the more iconic and that's probably why it's done so well plus the story and everything so but yeah yeah so we did watch another movie obviously the second one which is Mm -hmm. amityville 2 the possession came out in 1982 The story of this one is a family moves into their new home, which proves to be satanic, resulting in the demonic possession of the teenage son. Only Mm -hmm. the local priest can save him. Ugh, scary. This one is actually directed by a... Damiano Damiani. He's actually got more writing credits uh, than he does actual director credits, but he directed The Devil is a Woman, I Am Afraid, Angel with a Gun, Massacre Play, The Sicilian Connection, and many, many more. Uh, He passed away in 2013. Screenplay, by the way, is Tommy Lee Wallace, who is directed and wrote Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. He also, which, you know, for some people, that may be the worst movie ever. Not me. I think uh-huh. it's actually pretty good. I will fight anybody to the end of the days. Just- I will, too. <laughs> I found a passion for that rewatching it one time, and I was like, I don't know why I haven't looked at it this way. I think it was just taking me to not watch any Halloween movies for a while and then pulling it out and just watching that one specifically. That's what Always it loved me. it. Always loved it. Yeah. Never, never cared. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm not as cool as you, all right, Becca? Jesus. Okay, okay. (laughs) Fright Night, he also did Fright Night 2, I'm sorry. He helped write the screenplay and direct for the It miniseries as well. And he directed a few episodes of Max Hedrum. Oh. Yeah, which a lot of people were kind of involved in that for a time. Yeah, for a very short amount of time. That was definitely what you would call a flash in the pan. It's always that and Murder, She Wrote. Like everybody's oh, always yes. attached to murder she wrote somehow. Or or if you go back a little bit, like they're like actors are usually like they were on one episode of The Love Boat, one episode of Fantasy Island, one episode you know what I mean? Like there's right. like this whole like little group of shows that all these people were on one. Um and Magnum PI. Yeah, that was if too they- popular and too rich not to fucking take advantage of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Some of the uh cast in this movie is James Olsen, he plays Fodder Adamansky Amansky Adams. I don't know how to say his name. He was in the Andromeda Strain, Commando. He was also in Bonanza and Hawaii Five O. Also have Burt Young, the father of the house. Oh yeah. Oh boy, Paulie. oh boy. Yeah, he was uh, Solly. He was Paulie and fucking Rocky. Paulie. All the way fucking pretty pretty much all the rest of them. Except for the first I, first I one. Could, I could not tell you the guy's name in all my notes. It just says, and Paulie says, blah blah blah. <laughs> Man, he is something else in this movie. Um, He was in Chinatown. He also uh, is in the Netflix show Russian Doll, by the way, which I forgot about that. Oh, I love that show. That was a fun show. He was also in the Amityville Murders, which just came out not too long ago. And he was also in the Adventures of Pluto Nash and Carnival of Blood and plenty more. So uh, you have Root Anya. With Paulie. It's always going to be Paulie. Fuck. 
Wally. He was the secondary fucking coach, right? Did he come in at three? Was it part three, Rocky, or was it part two? Because I can't remember. Mm, that I don't know. I think it's three. I could be wrong, but he did all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was even in the Balboa movie. So. No, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, it also stars Rutanya Alda. She was the mother of the house. She was in Deer Hunter, Mommy Dearest, The Dark Half, Late Phases, and many more. She's The mom kind of reminds me of Vera Farmiga in some ways. Well, a little bit, yeah. In this one, for some reason. I can I can see that, but part of it might be because she's dressed like we see right. Vera as Lorraine Warren and yeah. everything now. <laughs> she totally does look like her from the yeah. from the Conjuring, but also stars Diane Franklin, who plays Patricia. She is Princess Elizabeth in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So she's one of the. Uh, the... She was. She's also in Terror Vision. Come oh, on, yeah. She, she was, was in what? She was better off dead too. Right. She was the sister, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love her in Terrorvision. Yeah, she was yeah, better off dead. Sure. She even did the Amityville murders too. So I guess, well, yeah. not part two as well. As, as well, yeah. yeah. And that was one of the things I think people were thinking that that movie might be good because it had those two coming back. But I don't think it was received very well. I, yeah. I'm just saying what I what I've heard on the interwebs. I haven't seen it, and I think one of yeah, our not. I think Kyle from the pot or from longlivethevoid.com actually reviewed it, but I could be wrong. Um, last but not least, we have Jack Magner. He plays Sonny. He was in Firestarter as a very small role, and that's it. Wow. Never did anything. You know, I will say in this movie, he sometimes had the strongest acting. So I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, he did. But then he didn't like it was like I was going to say sometimes he was the weakest one. But I mean, he had had some moments where I was like, oh, yeah, Yeah, he kind of walked around like a fucking jet or something from fucking West Side Story. Like the way his swagger, I guess you would call it. But yeah, the whole time I was singing that song in my head that Sonny came home. (laughs) (laughs) John Colvin. Yes. I have no idea what that song is. (laughs) You don't know that song? Well, it's really about a chick who comes back and I think she burns her house down. But oh, sounds like a nice song. It works. It works. It's a very beautiful (laughs) song. It's actually a very beautiful song. What is it? But when you listen to the lyrics, it's horrible. But she gets the kids out of the house. She gets everybody out of the house and then she burns it down because she was like abused or something so yeah look that one up everybody what is it called uh sunny came home oh okay sean colvin i'll have to listen to that afterwards so if you guys are wondering what we're talking about i probably cut out the singing part for copyright reasons obviously um otherwise i would torture her Uh, She's gonna put that up for Patreon. Like here, everybody. <laughs> yeah, ten dollars on Patreon will get you all access pass to Rebecca. Singing. <laughs> Wait, that sounds song. really They're, dirty. Uh, by the way, yes, there are people who probably pay ten dollars. I'm sorry. Trust me, I've thought about it. <laughs> I mean, money's pretty... All right. Anyway, so (laughs) budget of this movie is $5 million, and it actually made 12.5. So almost made three times its amount, although if you count for like marketing and stuff, probably costs... You know, they probably only made $10 at most. No, it was profitable. It was profitable enough for them to keep going at least for one more. And they made one the next year. So it's like, what? So, yeah, they're like, let's keep this gravy train running. Right. So um, I usually just jump into thoughts here, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, What did you think of it, though? I'd like to hear what it is. (laughs) Okay, so this is a movie that... I've seen at least a half a dozen times, but every time I sit down to watch it, 
I'm like, I don't think I've seen this one. And then I start to watch it and there are a few things that jog my memory and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. And first of all is before anything fucked up happens in the house, the brother and sister have a very weird dynamic. I mean, this is like, we're talking like day one in the house. No one's been influenced by anything. The brother and sister are fucking weird. They're very flowers in the attic. So yeah. that always that always gets to me. I always remember that. Secondly, you got some trivia on that. So <laughs> what is the woman who is I mean, I, I know they want like the dynamic of like she's like the passive housewife and he's like the domineering guy, because obviously with this one, it starts out. It's not that the guy is the guy. They walk in just telling you, OK, the dad is a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he was. To, it doesn't have anything to do with the house. You think he was? Oh, yeah. He I'm totally a- kidding. I'm just fucking. Oh, okay. I was like, no, but he walks in totally being a dick. But you look at those two together and you're like, how did they ever get together? Like, he reminds me of um, the guy who's in Microwave Massacre who. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frosty the Snowman. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, he, but it just doesn't. It, I mean, he's. They just don't seem like they could have ever been a couple. Right. Like, bad casting there the two little kids are stupid throwaway characters um they are just idiots uh i i'm sorry um i i think i probably of all the people i probably like diane franklin the best although that her character was an idiot as well Mm -hmm. um the acting was subpar at times there were were, yes sometimes it was really great and sometimes it was really crappy like it just it it ran the gamut i found myself laughing a lot during this one so i can say it entertained me if i had to put a number to it i'm gonna give it a six really okay yeah this is this is way below for me this is way below the other one it's it's kind of a cheap thing because they're kind of going with a prequel type thing like it's almost like loosely based on the defeos however it's obviously chronologically after the events of the first movie as far as it's technically well, before it. It's before it. No, but it's not. If you look, I, I wrote down some things. So first of all, that Walkman that Sonny has. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Walkman was not introduced in uh, domestic markets until 79. That version that he has is not the one that came out in 79. So, And then also there's a poster for Rocky, which would have been 79. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that's why people are always confused. This is a prequel or a sequel because they what, what really happened is they didn't pay attention to continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, that, it yeah, because it technically is supposed it, to be the prequel. It's, it's very loosely based off of the DeFeo situation without saying the DeFeos. However, they didn't do a good job of putting it chronologically before the other one. Right. But yeah. It well, was a little sloppy. So okay. six. You're going to only a give six. it a six, huh? huh? Give it a six. Wow. You're going to shots fired for you folks out there who love this one. <laughs> So what do you think about this one? Well, uh, I will say (laughs) that this one doesn't waste any time flapping its old floppy, big old fucking floppy ass demon dick all over the fucking screen. That is true. (laughs) The whole fucking house is like going nuts right off the bat. Oh my god! It's it, there had to have been so many like quote unquote puppeteers on set there, like the strings. <laughs> it was like, like fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like fucking going nuts. <laughs> oh my god! 
Yes, and I think those are some of the times I laugh the hardest. Like, wow, you're really scared by that? Because I would just feel like I was on the set of like a Muppets movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you got the fucking unhinged, shitty-ass fucking father. And, oh. and like the, the family, they move into the house that, you know, obviously... People just keep moving into. And, uh, you know, he doesn't waste much time laying his hands on all of the fucking kids and just about everyone in the house, which is just an uncomfortable but interesting dynamic, nonetheless. Um, I, I would say that it, without a doubt, has that you know, Italian feel to it mixed with some sort of like American thing. Like there's, I don't know, there's just like an aesthetic about it that just totally felt Italian to me, even before I looked to see who the fucking director was. I could see that. I feel like, you know, they kind of borrow a few things, you know, from other better movies than it. Um, obviously, The Exorcist, uh, yeah. at least the franchise in some facet. But um, something about it just looks and feels like it at times to me anyway, especially with how far they go. More, They got like fucking tons of practical effects in this. It's not afraid to like tear down the curtain and lay it all down for the fucking viewer to like, hey, we're oh. it's already out of the bag. And it's like it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, I don't know. It just it's, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, yes. Uh, I, in a lot of ways, it feels like it throws, you know, the whole kitchen, everything plus the kitchen sink, you know, that terminology. Yes. Quite, quite literally, it throws <laughs> <Yeah>. the kitchen <laughs> sink. <laughs> and. and <laughs> It's it's weird how what they do in this movie because where they take you back, you know, to the prequel and it feels more current than the first one, but I think this one had a little bit of a bigger budget I think than the first one. Um it's kind of weird to me cuz while I love that it goes and swings for the fences like I do with most of my so bad it's good films that I love, it also kind of cheapens it in some way. So like the story just a little bit. So it's like an old marriage. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like like there's foreplay. The foreplay is dead, guys. Like there is no more. We're going to fuck at some point in time. It's just like, let's get it over with Harold. You know, like. like yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like, apparently what was going on in the movie, too. But like literally. <laughs> well, I just think it's funny because I like picture this old woman like I'm drying up over here. Harold. <laughs> right. I'm trying Why? to get my stick hard. You old bitch like i don't know i got a pot roast in the oven harold <laughs> hurry it up <laughs> but i want to be clear like guys like i'm not saying that this wasn't an enjoyable film because like rebecca said you know it is definitely enjoyable it's entertaining um it's it's an italian supernatural possession horror lover's dream in a lot of ways so you know even if the story borrows from a lot of things which even the writer tommy lee fucking wallace said that he did uh but he said he tried to give it as much as he could uh for what they wanted um, it's not going to waste your time with any fucking slow burning whatsoever. So if you didn't like the first one, this will fucking, like I said, flap its big old floppy demon dick in your face. Um, uh, it, I'd say it's it's definitely more fun than the first one. Not to be taken too seriously, though it might have tried at some point. But plus, it's it's like two movies in one. You get like you know two. exactly. That was what I was waiting for to say. Right, it's two fucking movies. Yeah, it it's totally two did. Movies. I didn't. It didn't sway me at all, though. You know, because of all the ridiculousness. I would probably give this one. I would almost say like six point five or seven, honestly, because it's not as good as the eight, but it's like as the first movie but it's also very entertaining in the regard of like if you were looking for that specific kind of italian possession horror haunted house movie it like kind of gives you a lot of stuff so it's kind of yeah. hard not to like in the so bad it's good film category so 
just going to say this. Just I'm just right out of the gate for two and three. Watching both of these, I feel like I would have enjoyed them more had they not been Amityville. Right. And, I, and, and, and it's not because of the franchise. It's because of the first one being rooted in quote unquote reality. And the other two, and, and I know the third one is like based on, you know, a guy who moved into the house, whatever. But I would have enjoyed them more. I probably would have taken them a little more seriously if it, if they hadn't like put it with the Amityville house. I'm not entirely sure why, but I just... Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think there's worse movies in the franchise, and we'll talk about that one next. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as far as this goes, I mean... It- it was it was just weird. It, every time I watch it, I think I have that whole thing of like, it's like, then they all get killed. And you're like, oh, they're really all fucking dead. And then it turns into the exorcist paired with like Perry Mason or right. something. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's like they made, again, two movies in one. I think the, the first part of it was so bad it was good. Right. Because it was just. I mean, and the mom is just in this movie and uh, the the main woman in the next movie. They are both just like off the charts, fucking weird, crazy, like ah, like you know, like like the woman in hysterics. You know? Oh, you mean when like, she gets touched in the basement or whatever, and she's oh, like freaking yeah. out? Yeah. Just like, oh my god! Oh, you know, it's <laughs> so like fucking like can't control. What's the matter, it. mom? Is everything all right? Right. Yes, uh, and that's the other thing too, man. Oh. Is like uh, there was there's just some inappropriateness with ah. uh, yeah. Well, with you don't like that, uh, you know family giving, sex, right? But I mean, even with the mom, it's like you know, it's kind of like he'd look at her first and then give her a kiss on the cheek. And now I think that was before he was fucked up. Yeah? It was a different time, Rebecca. It was a different time. We don't know what time that was. Of course, it <laughs> well, been sometime before eighty two. That's all I know. Before seventy nine. After that, yeah. <laughs> if you look at the Walkman, it was at least nineteen eighty. But okay. So um. I got, I got, I got a little bit of trivia on this that I thought was pretty interesting. Okay. Um, this, like, I, we kind of talked about already. This movie is based off the event that happened before the first movie. Technically, technically, regardless if they they kept the continuity in the film and tried to make it as legitimate as they right. could, it, it is supposed to be representative of, of the as a pre equal to what happened to the Lutz. And if that's the case, then these demons must have gotten really fucking tired of flapping their fucking demon dicks around in this movie before the Lutz moved in. Because shit is not as like crazy as this movie. And yeah, they were like, they're like, let's just put the brakes on it a little bit, okay? You know, <laughs> the next family that moves in, let's just kind of take it slow. You oh, and they did. <laughs> yes. But in this one, they're like, no, fuck it, man. The doors are going to be flapping and fuck and mirrors are gonna be falling. Ah, ah, <laughs> Today's words murder. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna make that same joke. So, <laughs> great minds, right? <laughs> the the uh, director for this movie, Damiano, said that he felt very comfy with this movie. He said there was no pressure because it wasn't something that he had to write. Or he, it was like his movie. He was right. just handed it, and he was like, it was like slip it on, you know. It was like really easy. I'm paraphrasing yep. here, but do do something with this, okay? Right. <laughs> and, but he said, you know, hey, I came up with some pretty shocking moments in the movie, I think, and some pretty cool camera stuff. He's and I, which I I definitely agree. You know, yeah, he even fun things. He had that one like what I call a Raimi shot where they pass the camera over his head, and this is spoiler section, guys, for you. Yeah. 
Um, he passes the camera over his head and then turns the camera so that it's, you know, up right in his face. And I thought oh, that was right, a right. really cool shot. And speaking of Raimi moments, uh, when, uh, uh, I don't even, can't even think of her name, Trish, when mm-hmm. she comes back as like the demon or whatever, she's definitely evil deadish. Right. Are she's you got like about- the, the heavy makeup and like the, you know, her tongue's like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing in this movie, too, that Sonny looks kind of like Evil Dead-ish a little bit. But uh, Sonny... It was a year later. Evil Dead was, like, around this time. Sonny um, went to the dollar store to get his mask initially. So, anyway, <laughs> just saying. I mean, the color, the difference in coloration between... And, I, I mean, I watched this on Prime, so I could have been watching, like, you know, a, a higher resolution transfer. And I try to always keep that in mind. But, like, what we see now is not what people saw when they were watching the dailies <laughs> right. in 1980. I mean, come on. You um, see a lot of flaws now with, with high def. So. Right. And it, it was just like, like, they couldn't have anticipated dissipated shit but i mean he just looks straight out like he has on a mask i right. mean just like a like a i went to the store and bought this mask and here's my <laughs> halloween costume at one point so <laughs> but those eyes though you know those but yeah, but you're right though yeah there's a there's a lot of like that evil dead he's like turning right lot. well especially when he's up in the rafters yeah i was like oh that's that totally feels like yeah with the high cheekbones and all this other shit. But right. also, Tommy Lee Wallace, who helped write this, uh, said that he was a fan of Dino De Lorenza, uh, the producer, and he was very open to Wallace's work. So, like, they worked down the hall from each other when they were writing this. And he would literally go, uh, hmm, I wonder if Dino would like this. And he would go and walk down to his, his room. He'd be like, I'm on a phone call. Hold on. Come on in. And then he would hang up the phone. And he goes, what? And he'd be like, well, I, I got this part here. And this is da 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 And he's like, Yes. No. Like whatever. And then he would like, and then it would just move on. He said it was like the best working condition he'd ever had because he didn't have to like write it, send it to him, right, and then get it and get it totally slashed and right back to him red inked. <laughs> right. So he said he loved it. So you know, he said it made the the process like super easy. Wallace also actually did work with the director too, Damiano, and they worked on it for like a week to ten days or something on the script. And Damiano. And him got along really well, except for one time he said that there was like Damiano really wanted that whole Catholic priest sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, pushing that heavy exorcism, like exorcist stuff. So right. that's why at the end of the movie, it's so heavy. And even Wallace was like, come on, Damiano, we got to like, that's too heavy. Like, we just need to right. cut it back a little bit, buddy. But he said he was just we, a- we don't need anybody breaking out the prisoner. <laughs> but did you have any? uh scenes that uh that like stuck out well i had a few first of course these are two interlinked scenes that happen at different times in the movie and the first one would be when we first are introduced to sunny and trish Mm -hmm. uh, when they very first walk in and they're upstairs and they're having this conversation about uh, like oh i like my men taller oh you like your girls with bigger boobs and blah blah like no brother and sister (laughs) talk like that and i every time i watch this too i'm like wait are they like stepbrother and sister? And it's like, no, 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 they, they're real. But then they make her character seem so stupid and naive to be like, 
would you really take off your nightgown for anybody, right, let alone yeah. your brother? I mean, they almost make her like they try to regress her because she's obviously like what, 15, 16 something in the movie. But like there she becomes almost like a 10 year old who's like trusting an adult. Right. You know, like, I mean, I'm like, I don't care if she's like some like little Catholic church girl. I don't think she's. I didn't get that. I did not get that she would be that stupid or gullible. Right. But that's th- that's just me. He was all like, "I got a secret for you. I yeah, got your panties right. here." Like, Ugh, what the fuck? Yeah, mom. <laughs> you know, like seriously, like what the fuck? You know. Um, but I love too, like when the they're having the dinner. First of all, it's like their first night in the house. They're having this huge dinner. It's like it's like sliced up hot roast and fuck it. It looks like Thanksgiving. <laughs> And, right. Yeah, I'm they, like, how the it. fuck did she make that shit in as much time as they had? I know, and they they haven't even unpacked, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So Paulie had just put the uh, mirror above their silver or whatever, and he is like, I mean, he just looks like a sweaty, nasty piece of shit. The rest of them come down <laughs> dressed to the nines, ready for dinner. She's been she's been unpacking all day, and apparently been cooking a, like twelve course meal in a skirt, and he just looks like some sweaty, nasty dude. And then like when the mirror falls. It's like he starts getting mad, and the daughter's like just trying to like basically calm him down. And the mom—I don't know goes, about calm. She was like, "Daddy, no! Daddy, no! Daddy, no!" That's, that's true. I, mean, I think she was anticipating that he was going to get crazy. But I mean, the mom just goes like, "Oh my god, can't we just have one meal where we don't fight?" And I'm like, "You're <laughs> fighting." The, the mirror just fucking fell. Like, aren't you all like a little like put off by this? Like, it, it doesn't. It's not fighting at that point in time. It's like we're all a little shocked. Like. Can we just have one dinner without a mirror falling off the fucking wall? That's, that would have been better for her to say. So I thought that was like hilarious. But here is one thing that I thought was very powerful. Most powerful thing in this entire movie. Okay. Is so, um, and I even said it as I watched that, I paused it and uh, my daughter was walking through and I'm like, that's the one thing in this movie that was like, was very like cool and powerful for me. So the priest is like, he's uh, like on a hunting or camping trip or whatever. And he's having like basically he's getting the feeling that shit's going down. And so he drives all the way back there and he gets there. Of course, there are ambulances and everything else. And he walks up now, of course, you know, he doesn't have his collar on or anything. But he's just like, I'm the priest. And they're like, oh, oh, go yeah, ahead. Come go on ahead. in. Yeah, you know. I know. Why, why the fuck not? It's a fucking active crime scene. Why not? You know, he gets past a couple layers of very lax security and then he gets to one and you hear a guy in the background going, it's OK, let him through. He was their priest. And he looks back because that was. And like that little moment when he looks back, I was like, oh, man, like that's <laughs> a hell of a way to find out your entire fucking the entire fucking family died. So, yeah, I, I just like that little thing. But I really tuned out for like all of the courtroom drama and the exorcism and the blah, 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 blah. Like once the family was dead, I was like, oh, huh. One of, one of the first things that I thought was like a cool little technique is like I always think about like in the very beginning of the movie when they first start. Well, there's a lot of shit that goes on, but I'll tell you like the, all the sequence of events real quick. Uh, the door gets knocked on like super late at night. Oh, and, yeah. And the mother and father come down and there's like like nobody at the door and then they start to walk back up and then it does it again and it's like really loud fucking scary knocking like i've had that happen in three in a morning and and it was like a friend like was who, it at 315 yeah it was around that time and i was like pissed <laughs> off i thought i was gonna get fucking murdered in my house first off right. uh because <laughs> uh, no one does that um but like she notices that the uh 
he he gro- he goes out, grabs a shotgun. He's like, "Hey, I got a shotgun. I'll shove it up your ass." Whatever the fuck he says. Yeah. Uh, and she notices that the cross is covered by a tablecloth, so they think someone's there. And then the kids' room goes demon dick crazy. Oh yeah, with the paintbrushes. Right, and the windows are going up and down, and the paintbrushes start painting on the wall, and it says, "Dishonor thy father, pigs." <laughs> And then fucking unhinged daddy who just likes to beat shit fucking goes wild and pulling off his belt, like whipping people. Oh, and the, yeah. The mom's all like, I'll fucking take the hits, you know, like blame me or something like that. I was like, Jesus Christ. And she even she even gets a little bit, I think, of the house in her at that point, too. Because yeah. I think she's just like, motherfucker. As he's about to like unleash on the mom, like the sunny kid pulls the shotgun on his dad and the family is like, she just like, I love that little sec moment where she just grabs it and just walks calmly forward. Like, yes, like, uh, oh. Yeah, I'm like, let him die. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like he's a um, piece I, of shit, dude. I'm pretty sure at this point in time everything would be great. Yeah, I'm, it, it, and it's like the whole, uh, yeah. I just I hate that whole like passive housewife thing. I right. understand, blah blah blah. But I mean, she even gets the guts at one point to say like, you know, when the priest comes in and he acts like a total dick and starts like you know beating the kids. Um, you know, when she's just like, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna walk out of this house right now, which she should have. Um, if you don't go apologize to the priest. Yeah. And I know it's it was all plot convenience to get them all out of the house except for Sonny but it's like just I, I just don't get that I don't get that at all like he's at least that obedient to her so then if she feels like she's got that card to play why is she so like just passive and letting him beat the kids all the rest of the time I think it's because they tried uh, th- there are some people that keep up appearances you know what I oh, mean because yeah oh yeah so I would believe that because I I've known families oh, I that think are it's like that believable I just yeah. always am and amazed by that that scenario and that dynamic. Right. Well, and and the other thing is, is like if this is how the family was before they moved in, holy <laughs> fuck, they picked the wrong house to move into. You know, like <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is, is like if the dad's that fucking violent and there's demons in the house, why are they picking Sonny? Well, I guess wouldn't yeah. he be the most easy access fucking thing to do? Is but they were like, we'll switch it up. We don't want to do the dad this time. We'll do you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. Like, what is their, I guess it depends on what the demon's goal is, because I think they're kind of, it's like it's feeding on, not rage so much as, but like bottled up emotion. And the dad doesn't bottle his up. Well, and Ronald DeFeo is like, isn't he like, he was the oldest son. So technically, Sonny is like the oldest son. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it just, it seems like if you were thinking in the, in the strategy of evil that you would pick, pick the most violent motherfucker in that house. And that's definitely the dad. But maybe right. you, if you want to make it as easy as possible for yourself, you right. go that dude, he's already got the propensity. He's like 50 percent of the way there. All we got to do is nudge him a little bit. Good. <laughs> the other one, all he wants to do is fuck his sister. But you know what? <laughs> I see a project here. No, it's because it's all because he was in the attic. I think that's the whole thing. They always try to make it is it's the attic that doesn't. It's like. Nah. Well, they have in the, in these three movies. It's always been that the third floor, right? It's always right. Like, so it's the attic that's right where you know all the shit goes down or whatever. But one of the uh, things I wanted to point out to you real quick about that whole sex scene, or well, they didn't have a sex scene, but like well, the intended, sex. yeah, implied uh, brother sister fuck fest. Um, she goes to church to confess, saying what happened to her, uh, and, and uh, he does it to hurt. 
you or something like that. The to priest her God. says, to and her she's God. like, "Yeah, he does it. He doesn't do it to hurt me. He does it he to her God. It to her God, yeah." And I was like, "Oh, damn! Like, what the fuck?" And, and the fact that he's just like, "Oh, uh, you know, okay, fine, whatever." I mean, because all all the priest cares about is like, wait, you don't love this person, <laughs> like, right? What? Like, I, since when does the church care if you're like, oh, it's premarital sex? I thought premarital sex was pretty much, you know, for at least a, a Catholic priest is going to be like, nah, don't think so. But right. like, oh, so you don't love your boyfriend that you're fucking. Oh, <laughs> whatever. These are modern times, Rebecca. Come on. Ah, yeah. Modern my ass. <laughs> By the way, that whole thing with the the, the uh, brother sister love thing apparently was insinuated in the book. The, the, oh, really? the murder in Amityville by Hans Holzer. So he he thought that there was something going on in the house with the two of them. So Tommy Wallace kept it in. Right. Kind of went with that. Right. Which, he thought it'd be an interesting dynamic, which I agree. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I, I think, like I said, it I gave me that flowers in the attic vibe. Like, like you could see that kind of happening. I mean, but that I don't know. Did you but feel then, that they killed everybody too fast? Like the family? Yes. And that's what I was getting ready to just say. I feel like that all came down like a little fast. I'm not opposed to the whole like two movie, like, you know, two part movie kind of thing. But I feel like maybe it should have been like two thirds family and like one third, like getting rid of the demon. Mm -hmm. Because and and part of it is because that second part of it is just it's stupid. I mean, there's some (laughs) stupid ass things going on. Like, number one, they're going into court and trying to use a plea of, like, not guilty. Demonic possession. By reason of possession. (laughs) And it's like, and the judge is just like, you do realize, um, you know, like, I'm just some, like, you know, state, you know, whatever. Like, some, like, you know, I'm like county clerk, judge, whatever. I don't know any of the terms. But it's like, you do realize this is like, this would create a, a constitutional, like, you know situation here right yeah i don't even know what you would call it like a precedent i guess yeah so people would always constantly say they were possessed by the devil yeah yeah he's like i'm not gonna be that guy i'm not gonna be the one that everybody looks at in law school and they're like oh yes it was the uh montelli versus the state and they use the demonic possession plea right plus they have that fucking guy who's like works for the fucking government or whatever who's looking after sunny and keeping him under duress and like he can't like he's like helping out the priest and like why yes. is the priest going in there in the first fucking place all the fucking time you know what i mean like he's got he's to get him to church take him to church <laughs> yeah he knows he can exercise the demon if he gets him there yeah <laughs> exercise the demons that's right hallelujah hallelujah <laughs> praise lord <laughs> uh yes the prison duty lets the priest break him out he knocks him out he's just like take the hit now take the shot now whatever and it's like oh my god yeah, and a priest really? hits another man like strikes another man forgive me father like yeah actually you should uh ask for forgiveness for the guy he tries to take him to the church, but then 
Sonny's like, fuck that shit. I'm not going into that place to burn up in hell. Like, I'm going to, and then he puts up fire in front of the priest and runs away. It's like, well, that plan yeah. was fucking shit. Right. Like, that, and, and this is where it all just, I mean, if there was any chance of it having any kind of cohesiveness, I think it all fell apart right here. Cause this is where we've got the Trish as Linda from the Evil Dead. We've got right. some face peeling and fully and, demonic know, Sonny floating around in the fucking goddamn ceiling. Talking all right. deep and shit, which made me laugh. Right. And then it's like all of that gets absorbed into the priest or whatever. Right. And the, and the other guy takes him out, takes Sonny out. Because that's what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter if you guys get the demon out of him. Let's say that's what's going on and you get the demon out of him. He's still going to fucking prison in the electric chair. Right. That's what I was thinking. Right. Like, well, what does but it the matter? Guy, the guy says, well, we'll make them understand. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Just like that. Well, we're going to plead innocent by demonic possession thing told me <laughs> well he pulls he pulls the exorcist move and he's like come into me god damn it yes, like you know yes. but he doesn't jump out a window he just sucks it up and fucking takes right. on the demon like, yeah because like his hand starts going his neck's all yeah. puffing up and shit and like moving and yeah. stuff i like i like the priest in this i do like the priest in this. Well, and you forgot like one of the fucking craziest parts in this fucking movie is like when the priest is like trying to suck out the demon from him the fucking demon breaks out of his body in like looking like some chud ass motherfucker <laughs> with his face like coming out of it it's like all green his eyes are yeah. glowing i'm like dude it looks like chud like it mm -hmm. straight up looks like chud which is cool but right. i was not expecting that yeah there was a little bit of everything in this movie <laughs> i think we've i think we've figured that much out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah, that one yeah. was uh, that one was uh, a lot of people I f was talking to because I posted a video of Amityville like when I first started the first movie and I posted the intro because I love the music and people were like, yeah, I didn't even like the first one. A lot of people like this one. Oh, yeah, they love this one more than they do other ones. And yeah. I, it's not to say that I don't like I it's hard for me to rate because I have a, a passion for the first one in in the scary sense. So like the first one's the scary one, like right. the legitimate, like classic horror movie. The second one is it's like balls to the wall. Right. And it tickles my little fucking so bad. It's good balls. Yeah. And I love yeah. that, you know, because I love ball tickle. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, he does. But, <laughs> but we all we all love our horror balls to be tickled. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> no. Okay. He's like, I'm editing. Oh my god. No. <laughs> no uh, I, but yeah, this one had all of those like elements of things that that do make this so bad it's good. You know, just like the fact that we can sit here and laugh. The Pee Wee's Playhouse thing. I'm never gonna watch this. <laughs> same again. By the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. It, but uh, that's another Evil Dead thing, too. Because right. If yeah, that's true. Yes. Uh, if you watch, like, the behind the scenes of, um, well, it's Evil Dead 2, right? That has the crazy scene or whatever. They they will talk about in the commentary that, like, basically everybody on set was given a string. Uh, down to the person who was cooking for them, makeup artists, everybody was given a string. When they had the whole, like, you know, the, the moose is moving and the lamp is moving. And he's like, ha, ha, ha whatever they were just like everybody was a puppet operator that day right you know and it, it's very much the same except for it's just doors and windows so yes first one for us it seems like was the scary classic one the second one is the schlocky italian More fun fun yeah. one yeah the third one however my god this was the most amazing movie i've ever seen i'm just kidding mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But just, but just to clarify that I can at least say for myself mm-hmm. that my opinions of this movie were not formed by the fact that I was watching it very quickly in between different things. It was ah. more of a, I was procrastinating because yes, I have seen this before and it's I not was a... not looking forward to it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Amityville 3D, D. double D, they should yeah. have made a fourth one. Um, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one came out in 1983 and the story is a reporter moves into the ominous Long Island house to debunk the recent supernatural events and find himself besieged by the evil manifestations, which are connected to a hellspawn demon lurking in the basement. Right, well, okay. <laughs> this movie is directed by Richard Fleischer. Richard Fleischer. He did Soylent Green, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Red Sonia, Conan the Destroyer, See No Evil, Fantastic Voyage, and, and plenty more. And then he more. did this. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. Um, but but in a way, it kind of makes sense if you look at the like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Right, uh, yeah. He's probably like, oh, I get to do something in 3D? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break another barrier. Okay. He's like, he's talking to his agent like, yeah, just whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> I want to get a new boat. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the writer for this movie is David Ambrose, who uh, wrote The Survivor, The Final Countdown. Year of the Gun, the kid movie called Daryl that I grew up with, Blackout, and plenty more. Some of the cast includes Tony Roberts. Oh, my God. Who plays John Baxter. He was in Serpico, Dirty Dancing, Law and Order TV show for a long time, Popcorn, the movie, 18 again, the movie, and plenty more. He's the guy with curly hair and a really weird generic face that <laughs> you you know him. He looks like a talk show host. I don't know. He's got a nice, like, his hair is nice. Like, uh, I don't know about you. Man. All right. Go go on. Go on. Tess Harper's in this movie. She plays Nancy Baxter, the, the wife, and uh, or divorced no. wife. I don't know what she is. But she was in No Country for Old Men, Crimes of the Heart, The Jackal, How to Get Away with Murder show as well as the Revenge show. She's also played Mrs. Pinkman in Breaking Bad, by the way, too. Also has Robert Joy, who plays Elliot, the psychic scientist. He I is, thought he was a psychiatrist, but okay. Well, I don't, fuck it, man. He's like yeah, everything He's in this everything. movie. He's <laughs> yeah. an empath by the end, so whatever. He uh, he was in Land of the Dead. Hills Have Eyes is always the one that I think of when the reboot, by the way. He was in uh, Aliens vs. Predator Requiem and Super the uh, superhero movie which is like a spoof comedy movie and plenty more. Uh, Also has Candy Clark, who plays Melanie. She was in American Graffiti, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Zodiac, Criminal Minds TV show, Twin Peaks The Return TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Blob from 1988. She was the lady in the the, uh, restaurant who was going to go on the date with the sheriff who gets fucking blown up in the the telephone. I'm pretty sure. Uh, She was also in The Hitchhiker, Starman and plenty more. Plus, she, and I, I really loved her. She reminded me of like she kind of reminded me of like um, of uh, Joe Beth Williams or something from Poltergeist. Sure. Like, she had that plucky sort of attitude about her. But I thought she on. was the best acting in that movie. In the movie, so she was she was sometimes the best and sometimes she was the worst. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> also, we have a weird kind of like 
two moments in the film where we get Meg Ryan, who plays yes. the the the, the uh, daughter's best friend, uh, Lisa. She plays the most straightforward character in this movie. Terrible. Like she plays like a, like the '80s trope person of like, okay, we're gonna summon this motherfucker. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have Lori Laughlin who plays Suzanne, the the daughter of the two two people. She's obviously from Full House, the Aunt Becky. So, but that Becky who yeah who's like trying to get her kids into college and. <laughs> she got arrested that's why or did okay. she she get fined and arrested i don't even know i don't know felicity huffman's the one who's in big big deep trouble in that one but anyway <laughs> this movie had a budget of six million dollars made 6.3 domestically Oof. um what did you think of this movie i did not think a lot of this movie i will say as i said before if this had not been linked to amityville I might have been a little bit more uh, mm. more into it. I'm not sure. Um, it's pretty bad. It, it's it, it kind of is all over the place. Tony Roberts, I cannot stand that guy. I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely person, but I just cannot stand him like in this or most roles that he plays. <laughs> most of the people in this are weird characters. I strangely, I thought Lori Laughlin was the most likable one. I really, I like her. She, I mean, this is the same kind of time she was doing what the bad, the bad kids. Is that what that's called? Uh, yeah, I might be wrong on the title on that, but she I know was you mean, very, though. very, very likable. And in Meg Ryan, this is like right before I think she started doing like as the world turns and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, the, the this all the way around was messy. I messaged you in the middle of it, and I'm like, <laughs> where the fuck is the 3D in this? Yeah. And they were very, you know, like, you can watch, you can usually watch a horror, especially, because that's where 3D, you know, this point in time, you know, would have been uh, used. And it wasn't <laughs> always used well, but, and a lot of times it, it had nothing to do with the kills. It was just, you know, random stuff. But, I mean, I was, like, struggling, like... I don't think I saw something that I think would have been a 3D effect until maybe 40 minutes into the movie. They and had I'm a like, couple, but yeah, I think the flies was the first thing. Right. And that's the thing, too. Uh, let's see what I have here. Uh, asterisk windows and buzzing like that was it. They just like they, they show window and you'd hear buzzing like and they never even really showed bugs. Mm-hmm. It was just there was the, the buzzing sound effect they just put in post. And that was supposed to be almost like your, you know? Right. <laughs> well, yeah, they've always used the fly in a lot of these movies for some uh, well, reason. Well, in this one, they didn't really use the fly so much as they used a fly sound effect because apparently they You didn't see it. the flies in this? Well, no, there were uh, there were flies, like the real turn. There were so many flies in this fucking movie. It was like, they were like, okay, how many bags do we need? Well, one's normal. Well, let's get 10. It's I like, whoa. I just felt like most of the time they were just like, here, you just heard like the buzz. And it's oh, like, yes, okay, okay I, 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 I'm telling you, yeah, that's horrific if you're just sitting there and you just hear a fly behind you like buzzing, man, but <laughs> that, that right there is waterboarding. But some of the effects and most of the effects were the practical ones were a little stiff. The CGI ones were very early in the uh, the game. I kind of suffered through this a little bit. I'm going to give this a four. Let's just I'm just going to put a number on it and let's just go. What did you think of it? I'm giving it a four. Uh, 
Um, well, aside from it having so many flies, it needed a hell of a lot more, in my opinion. It, it's 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 like totally played straight, but it's so fucking boring. Yes. Like yes. there is zero atmosphere. Right, because the house is just a house. It really is. I mean, Lori Laughlin even says that to uh, Meg Ryan. It's like, yeah. see, it's just a house. And it's like, yeah, exactly. That's the way it totally feels the whole time. Yeah, it really is just void of that. It's like almost like they were like, okay, two went too far, guys. We got to cut it back. Let's take <laughs> it back to the original. Let's try to do it like, you know, get the imagination going. But the people who did it had no clue what they were doing. I'm sorry to say, unfortunately, it just did not hit that mark. It had all this 3D crap that was randomly thrown in, which always cheeses it up. The opening title. Right. 3D Part has three. come a long way. It has. This you was the, this was the this was the second wave of 3D that did not quite go so right. well. But yeah, those title credits, I was like, oh my god, how can I take this seriously? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the movie, like the, you said, the acting, it's it's okay. I thought Candy Clark was actually the pretty good in some moments. Yeah. She yeah. she plays Melanie, the best friend who seems like a love interest the mo- most of the movie anyway. Uh, but other than that, everyone has sort of better than average uh, acting sometimes and then other times it's really terrible um when i realized who directed it after i watched it i was like oh okay well this kind of makes sense like if you look at it as like a twenty thousand leagues under the sea kind of movie you understand that it was never going to be horror to begin with do you know what i mean like i don't know how to explain that in the best way possible because i am a fan of red sonia i am a fan of conan the destroyer but it is right, nothing like, not, like that not the yeah not the not the genre yeah i do yeah. get that the fact that it went for a PG rating, like really, like I just don't understand that. Yeah, it's a little early. This is the time where people are trying to ramp up. Like eighty, this is eighty three. People are trying to push the envelope, not get yourself back to. This a is PG probably rating. when they were trying to grab onto the like children audience or something like that. So they right, were like, kinda, probably like the poltergeisty kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. That works. Um, it does have a couple of decent scenes in it, though. Like, nothing fantastic, just kind of okay. I, I also noticed that they sort of grabbed onto the, like, demon from the second movie, too, which I thought was odd. But mm-hmm. uh, oddly, it is actually one of the better parts of the movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there really isn't any scares to be had here, guys. So there's no atmosphere, just blah which is pretty sad to see considering, you know, there's something redeeming out of like two and definitely one. So I'd say this movie is pretty average if it was just not so damn boring. (laughs) So I would probably give it around a 4.5, maybe a five at most uh, if I, if I thought about it, but I really wasn't really interested and I don't feel like watching it again anytime soon. No. So it's just kind of like a speed bump in the road of the franchise, honestly. So I think the next movie was better than this too. So Well, and and this movie was made and then they didn't make another one until like, you know, the 2000s because No, it was 90s. Oh, was it? Well, this one did not. This one did not do well and they knew it did not do well. (laughs) Like not even just like financially. I mean, so I, okay. So if we're getting into the movie itself now, um, I do like the beginning where they, it's, they have a seance. They're, uh, you know, like trying to channel their dead kid or whatever and and you see that like floating orb and like you're like no uh-uh uh-uh mm-hmm. but then it turns out that they're trying to 
make these people, uh, they're trying to expose them as being fakes. And then you're right. like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, because it was really I, cheesy. It was really cheesy. And I was like, I was like, oh, I couldn't, I didn't remember that whole thing. But yeah, they're exposing them. And it's like, okay, that whole like sequence of, it, that, that was cool. Like, I liked that. Like, let's just turn it on its side. Now, this is actually based on some guy who, uh, was a reporter who bought the house, who was, uh, he was cynical about what happened there or whatever. But like, I think that's as far as it goes. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. his daughter did not drown. But yeah, so yeah, he's got the wife who they're like in the middle of a divorce or whatever. And he buys this huge house and it's just like, okay. But he has no emotion in this entire movie. <laughs> his his like best friend, coworker, she's in an accident and like he doesn't even fucking flinch. His daughter is dead on the shore. <laughs> he still is like, yeah, I, I need to tell you something about Susan. You know, I mean, I think the mom does a really good well, job. Well, he does that. freak out at that one part. He's like, oh, God, Susan, no. Oh, Susan, no, no. And for then like they try two, to resuscitate her. For like two seconds. And then he's just like hugging her. And it's like, it, it just he had like no. That's just, just what men do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's right. They, well, and, and like my, my kid said, so then it went to like the dream sequence where uh, he thought he saw her or whatever. and Coming like, up out of the well or whatever. One of the better scenes. Too. Yeah, yes. But it's like he gets up off the couch and it's like he looks like he's just totally refreshed. And I'm like, wow, he really isn't distraught about his daughter at all. And she goes, there's a bottle of Jack there. OK, so you're supposed to know that he's OK now because he's drinking. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt like all the emotion was just like weird. I thought the mom had good emotion, like because Later she did on. see her, but she did see her, um, you know, like uh, she was freaking out, but it wasn't like she was going crazy. Right. Like I did like that. Okay. So what was the point of the sensory deprivation thing? That wasn't even real sensory deprivation. And if it was, they were doing, because we already had altered states back in like the 70s. And they were doing like tanks. This is like their poor man's version where she lays on a table. Right, because she's not supposed to have any senses. Well, then that means she shouldn't have a touch, which means she shouldn't be able to feel like the, the table. Air yeah. And the table. And yeah, you're supposed to be like almost suspended, correct? Right. That was, that was okay. just like, that was like them trying to think the audience was dumb. And probably at the time, <laughs> They were right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I would not want to be in that situation for 52 hours. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, she's it, been in for 52 hours. Yeah, and it's like, wait, she hasn't eaten or anything. Yeah, she's probably pretty fucked up right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but the whole idea was, was he not like she was going there because he was like the psychiatrist? Um, she, they were friends, I guess, and that's because they were a team of scientists to try to debunk all the fucking fake people who were like doing it. So they believed in it. They just didn't believe that it, it happened three percent of the time, as he said all the time. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that validates the like legitimacy of something going on in the house, like you know, like uh, air conditioning and flies and right. <laughs> He's like uh, the ghost adventurers where it's like, have you ever actually seen a ghost? All you they didn't, but that's the thing. They didn't show anything in this fucking movie to warrant any kind of concern whatsoever. Mm-mm. It was all like, oh, no. you shouldn't be in that house. And oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be in there. But no one dies and everybody's fine except for the one girl. And uh. well, OK. And then the realtor, I guess the realtor. Dies oh, that's right. But the other chick dies in a car accident. 
And the the daughter dies in a drowning accident. That's it's, right. It's, it's like they're not even in the house. It's because they touch the house. It's a dirty right. house. Who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and how could you? I mean, that's that's when you have to go like be logical. Okay, yes, it sucks that three people who were in the same circles died, but it wasn't all like they all died in the fucking house. Right. Well, it is funny too because there's like a lot of moments where that stuff happens outside of the house like john baxter's in the elevator and he skyrockets mm-hmm. to the roof and then yes. it, then it he's drops the and he's like floating in air i was like come on dude mm-hmm. you you would hit the top and then fall back down it wouldn't be like that like cartoonish hey you never know like i said <laughs> it's like the gravitron though that's what it reminded me of where he's like sticking to the top <laughs> <laughs> there was a scene, by the way, I got to mention this. There was a scene where cold air blows up the, from the basement stairs and pushing Melanie up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that scene was done with wax. Wax, yes. I saw yeah, that. like, what the fuck? They were shooting wax at her into her mouth and eyes and face. That's why she turns halfway through that whole scene, because she's just, like, getting it all in her face. She said that she spent, like, I think it was, like, hours or, you know, she said it took her a long time. She used Tide yeah. to get it out of yeah, her so hair. Detergent, yeah. Like, you couldn't just get some kind of fake frost. I mean, you can make fake snow, fake frost. Come on. <laughs> uh, also it might, be, it might be cold but it does come out of your hair <laughs> yeah i don't i've never i mean i guess i did use wax when i had a mohawk a little bit but it didn't work as well so uh, um so this movie was shot in mexico by the way and yes <laughs> when they went it was like Sorry. a sound studio or whatever but uh apparently candy clark went to the pyramids outside of mexico city and she had both of her legs cramp up because there's like a lot of stairs. I think there's 365 yeah. uh, stairs or whatever. It's the one I'm thinking of where it's like the Mayan temple or whatever. Yeah. B- but she had both of her legs cramp up and they had people carry her down. And apparently she was unable to walk for like a week. And that oh, wow. first scene in the movie where she's sitting down on the chair, that was her first scene that they shot for the whole movie. She said oh. that when she was sitting there, she was like in agony. Wow. And, and that she wasn't able to walk. So they just That's put her in that chair. That's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> She's like, where's my caviar, Frank? Right. They're like, really seriously, do we have to put this in the contract too? We'll not walk up pyramid stairs while in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, it seems weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Both of your legs cramp up? I don't know. And it, That's a tourist spot. So like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she and, said that's what happened. I'll I'll take her word on it. I mean, weird things well, happen. Yeah, I'm not yeah. exactly in the best of shape, so I mean, I could probably see myself. Yeah, but I mean, how many people go visit that every year, every day? Right. You know, and they're just fine. I mean, she wasn't exactly like, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Whatever, you mentioned whatever. that one scene. I got to mention this scene is the one where Melanie burns to death when she loses control of oh, the car. Yeah. Yeah. She she wrecks into a tr- like well first of all she's getting attacked by a fly on a fucking stick mm-hmm. literally a stick you can see it so well in the HD version it's ridiculous but she it's like buzzing around she's like oh my god and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. the car takes control like they did in the first one because the yeah yeah the priest yeah the priest lost control in the car in the first one but like, yeah she wrecks into the back of a pipe you see the pipe come through the window. Right, the first 3D thing that I right. figured out. Like, yeah. real 3D, other than the flashlight one. They yeah. had one. Mm-hmm. But um, but it comes through, and then it misses her head, of course, and then the book catches fire on her passenger seat. And then her, which was really funny to me. 
And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the whole car is fine. Like, the interior is fine. There's nothing burnt mm-hmm. in the car. And then all of a sudden, like some guy like comes to the car and she's just like a fucking skeleton. She's a skeleton and she comes back to life and like just is like jumps oh, at the screen. Spirit Halloween. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I get it because then like the car, you know, totally burns. So it's like, you know, somehow a ruse like the demon was like, OK, we're just going to play it cool till somebody comes along. Okay? Yeah, let's not ruin the car, right. demons. Let's friends. Come on. We got a nice car here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the other scene I want to mention is that, well, there's two. One, one minor one. The Chud demon comes again <laughs> from the well mm-hmm. for, for the guy who the psychic scientist uh, and spits fire <laughs> on the fucking psychic's face. And he's like, oh, <laughs> That was cool, though. I, like, I actually kind of like that. Chud fire. Woo! Yeah. Chud four. <laughs> Amityville. Uh, 3D. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, then, Chud dragons. This is one thing that I got to mention. Like, you can tell that they were pretty much like, fuck this movie. <laughs> they explode the house at the very end. And the one thing that this oh, right. movie Which did. Is probably the best part. Right. Like, like, finally, it's fucking yeah. gone. Like, they're like, fuck it. We're not. Yeah. This is it. No more. Right. And then 24 movies later. <laughs> <laughs> there really is almost like 24. There's like one, two. Wow. There's yeah, so many, like you said, I mean, and there's so many like unofficial ones and documentaries and everything. I mean, anything, there's a, a ton of stuff with just the name Amityville on there. That's not all. It's an empire, same. guys. It's an empire. It, it's not a franchise. It is an empire. <laughs> there you go. But, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. So uh, we you gave it a four. We get, I gave it a 4.5, maybe five. It's pretty average. It's below average, honestly. It's boring. Yeah, I think we're I think we're giving it a little bit of a pass here. Yeah. <laughs> but if you guys would be interested in uh, you know, the podcast doing more, um, I've I've I I do have some more coming, actually. I ordered some recently. Um, for the later ones. Although there is one that's really hard to get, which is the Evil Escapes. Or no. Sorry, Amityville Curse, which is a Canadian production that is really hard to get a hold of. Um, but I'm going to try to track it down if I can. And I'm just curious now. I just now I just want to go down the fucking shitty hole like Children of the Corn. Like, just how bad does it get? Like, how bad? You want to find one where you're like, well, this is a hidden gem. Of right. all of, like, of the 4,000 of them, one of them has to be good. <laughs> Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's kind of why why I like going through them because I'll find that one scene that I'm like, "Fuck, that's really fucking great," right. or that, or that's like really funny. Two minutes, two <laughs> minutes of this one movie that redeems everything. <laughs> Just go running in the streets. I found it. <laughs> ah! I'm just kidding. We're going. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, guys, uh, what did you think of these movies? Um, I know I've already heard from some of you guys already, but I would love to hear from you guys again. If you got a chance to check these out, did we find them all up on uh, Prime? Uh, No, I found, well, I had one. Oh, that's right. Uh, I don't think it was on Prime, but I don't know if it was or not. Uh, You can find all of them on there. Two is on Prime, but actually three. No, I was a little worried earlier because you cannot get it on Prime. But it is, I hate doing this, but it is free on YouTube, like somebody has uploaded it. Oh, well then, you know, it's up there. It, it's out in the ethos. I'm but, not feeling too, too bad about watching that for But free. for those of you that want to have it and own it like I do, you can pick it up from uh, Shout Factory, or Scream Factory, actually. Um, they have the three 
there. And then I think, uh, who is it? Vinegar Syndrome's putting out the 4th, the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th on a set. They just put it up. Um, not to, It's going to be coming out in November or at the end of October. So Vinegar if you're, Syndrome, they're awesome people. Yeah, they always get the shitty ones, but, you know, it's for us but fans. But they make them good. They make them good. They man. really do. I have a lot of their stuff. They always <laughs> But uh, yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Becca. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Well, and if you need me again, I will come back on. Just All don't right. make me watch another Amityville. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, we'll be watching Amityville uh, again yeah. uh, to make yeah. sure we were right about our opinions this time. And uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> He's like, Becca, I need somebody to fill in. I don't know what we're going to do next week, but it's Halloween, guys. We got to do it upright. Got to do like some good, some classic stuff. Maybe I'll pick some ones that I just love watching or something like that and do yeah, that too. Yeah, pick some fun ones or let me pick one or something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pick it. Let's pick a theme. Yeah, we I'm can do that. Next week, right? You still need me next week? Yeah, I can do. I mean, I don't have anybody planned, and the only thing I would yeah. that would prevent that would be a fucking interview, and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's that's why I didn't want to like automatically say it because I did reach out to somebody, but I don't know if they're gonna write me back. So probably yeah. But what what would you like to do? Uh, it's got to be something we man. haven't done. Man, I don't know. Maybe we can both pick one each, and, unless it's like some sort of like two-part franchise that we can watch, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to do three. Three's too many. <laughs> I've, got, I've got too much shit going on, sorry. Right. <laughs> I think you do too. <laughs> right. But uh, guys, if you want, I will have all the links to Becca's stuff down below, so if you want to follow any of her stuff, please do. Uh, any of that support really does go a long way to help out passionate folks like ourselves who just like to do this because we love it. So give her some support. Thanks again, Becca. And uh, as always, guys, long live the void.